And so we want to look, and it behooves us to see this. Today we'll look at the marks of testimony, a mature witness, a mature testimony of what it, of how our lives speak uh, in our circumstances to the rest of the world. And so we'll look this morning at verses 12 through uh, 19 of this first chapter of the book of Philippians. So follow along with me as I read under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul writes, I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has really happened to serve to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest of my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict on me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in the pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, open our ears that we may hear, our eyes that we may see, our hearts that we may receive. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, allow us, O God, to apply the truth of the gospel that the world may know and see that you are the living God and reign in our lives. We pray this, O Lord, in the name and the righteousness of Jesus and his alone. Amen. So some of you know, we used to have a home in Tennessee, and our home in Tennessee was like just right on the border of the National Park, the Smoky Mountain National Park, very similar to the Adirondack Park, and it's the way that it looks and the way that it's structured. And, and so there's times when I'm up in the Adirondacks, I feel like I'm back home there in Tennessee. But our home had a balcony that our upper deck that looked out over a valley. And across that valley uh, was this beautiful open field and then a forest right behind that, that open field. And we hadn't lived there too long, maybe 60 to 90 days or so. And I was out on that upper deck with a a cup of tea, and I was looking out over that valley. And sure enough, as I'm looking out, between the trees uh, comes a bear. And I watched this bear come meandering out uh, from behind the trees and out into the field there. And, uh, you know, a kid from Florida just moving to Tennessee, it's pretty special that I see a bear. I think that's pretty cool. And as I sip my tea and watch this bear, uh, shortly after that, another bear comes out. And I thought, that is amazing. In my entire life, I've maybe seen two bears, but now I see two here together. And so now I'm up out of my seat. I'm at the edge of the rail now looking and straining my eyes. And then as soon as I get up on that rail and begin to lean, a third bear comes out from the trees. 
And now I'm freaking out. It's an invasion of bears upon our properties. And as I begin to see there's three bears out there, now I'm calling the family. Lee, Caleb, everybody, get out here. We've got we to gotta see these bears. I want you to see these bears. And, and so Lee comes out, and Lee's looking with me, and we're straining and thinking, oh, my word, look at that, three bears. And all of a sudden, bear four and bear five and bear six come out from the trees. And about that time, our son comes out, uh, and he's walking up, and he comes to the rail, and, and Lee and I are looking at each other and wondering, why are those bears eating grass? Our son Caleb looks at us and says, because those are cows. (laughs) Circumstances are not what they always appear to be. That's what Paul wants the Philippian church to see and wants you and I to see this morning. The circumstances aren't always what they appear to be. Things aren't always what we see on the surface. Let me give you what I think circumstances are. I think circumstances are the events under the control of a sovereign God to bring testimony and purpose and glorifying deliverance and giving us a gospel perspective. Circumstances are the events under the control of a sovereign God to bring testimony and purpose and glorifying deliverance or gospel perspective to our lives. What are the marks of mature witness or mature testimony? One of the marks of truly understanding the gospel that Paul says all throughout all of his letters is freedom. That we as a people live as a free people. Not free to indulge ourselves, but quite to the contrary, a freedom to die to ourselves and to live unto the glory of God. Not to indulge our self-interest, but to indulge the Savior interest. To live lives that are focused so gospel-centric that the whole world around us begins to see that there's something larger to life than just our own individual lives. And so Paul introduces this idea of freedom in his circumstances in these verses by the maturity of a person who has seen and handles all things that happen to him in the light of the gospel, from mild to severe, And you and I as believers must learn to do the same thing. He shares the gospel regardless of his circumstances. He holds no personal jealousy or desire for credit or prestige. And he possesses the assurance of a happy ending, his salvation. A mature witness shares the gospel regardless of his circumstances. Because they're free in their circumstances. Paul faced some dark things here, we see. He said, I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has really happened to serve the gospel. So it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard. Who is this imperial guard in which Paul is imprisoned? 
Some of you who were here last week will remember I told you Paul's writing this letter to the Philippian church out of a Roman prison. And in this prison, he is chained to a praetorian guard or the royal guard or the imperial guard as the SV has placed it. Who are they? Well, they're the green berets of Rome. They're the special forces of the Roman Empire. Their whole duty was to do that hard and special and disastrous work of the Roman army. Most of them were centered there in their... uh, work in Rome and in this particular case they were in the prison there were many prisoners of war prisoners of politics prisoners of those who were against Nero at the time were put in dungeons and this is where Paul in his circumstances writes this letter to the Philippian church Paul here has been beaten Paul has been Separated from those who he loves. Paul has been put in a dark, dark dungeon. There he was. Waiting. Writing. Suffering. In prison for over two years. How did he get there? Well, he didn't get a parking ticket. He got there because he was proclaiming and living the life of a follower of Christ. Giving witness and testimony to the world. That Jesus Christ has come. The Son of God has come. He has died on a cross and shed his blood on behalf of the sin of mankind that they may live. And for that, Paul has been put in prison. He's waiting day after day, hour after hour, for the sword of Nero to come down upon his neck and separate his head from his body. And yet in those circumstances, Paul has the freedom to have great joy. Take note with me. We do not read of Paul grumbling or complaining. We don't see where Paul was questioning God and wondering, why me? Why God? Why? We don't see any whining or murmuring on Paul's part in the hardest of places. We don't see Paul falling apart saying, woe is me, woe is me, what will I do? What will I do? We do not see Paul cursing God, nor giving up his faith, but to quite the opposite, persevering in his faith for the advancement of the gospel. Paul used his dark circumstances to spread the gospel. He did not see himself as a prisoner of Rome, nor of Nero, he saw himself as a prisoner for Jesus Christ. Paul is chained here, it says. The word is halias. It's used as a small chain that would grip people's wrists together. And then from that chain, he's chained 
to a guard everywhere he went. How would you like to have been that guard? To be chained to the most powerful, prolific evangelist in all the world that the world has ever known in the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine how many times that guard heard the gospel? Can you imagine the mystery that that guard would feel when he would see this man of joy chained to him, realizing his faith, and yet that man had no other purpose but to make sure this guard knows the gospel. And thereby all the other guards knowing the gospel. And thereby everyone in the prison knowing the gospel. And thereby every prisoner within the earshot of Paul knowing the gospel. And even the special forces of the imperial guard, we find out, knowing the gospel. I wonder, can we say that about our lives? Can we say no matter where I am, no matter what's happening to me, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on in my life, I praise Jesus Christ for the circumstances I am in because I know that in my circumstances it is really being used to serve, to advance the gospel of Christ. Or do we find ourselves, unlike Paul, grumbling, complaining? Unlike Paul, do we question God and wonder, why God, why? Do people see our whining, our complaining, and certainly do they hear our murmuring? Do they see us falling to pieces under pressure? When the devil brings his onslaught of attacks through suspicions, unfounded accusations, do we fall to pieces? Or do we become even more bold for the sake of Christ? Do we become even more settled and unified for the sake of Christ? Do we quit parsing everything that we say and do, but find our hearts have the same cause for the sake of Christ? You see, it is up to us as mature believers and followers of Christ to have a priority in our lives, which is the purpose of giving testimony to all of those around us. That Jesus Christ has come and He has died for us and He has set us free from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and the punishment of sin. And thereby we are a joyous people. We are people that understand that God knows us in our circumstances. The lesson for us is this, that we must never let our circumstances get us down. Never let them defeat us, our testimony or our witness for Christ, no matter what they are. Whether they are persecution or accident or failure or financial loss, divorce, bankruptcy or sin. We can never let those things bring us down to the point where we forget that we are living for Christ 
we must know God is in control of our lives. He will strengthen us to bear whatever circumstances fall upon us. He gives us the forgiveness to live forever. We must witness to all those around us, whether we're in our sick bed or whether we're under the midst of death or facing money problems or being abused or persecuted. All those must hear loudly from the way that we communicate that Christ reigns in our lives. We are more than conquerors, the Bible tells us. We are conquerors in our circumstances for Jesus Christ. We are not victims of our circumstances. Are you chained to your circumstances or are your circumstances chained to you? As a mature follower of Christ, you and I must understand that our circumstances are chained to us. Just like that Praetorian guard was chained to Paul. That we speak constantly, boldly and confidently that Christ reigns over those circumstances and He is using them to bring glory to Himself. Not only do we see that Paul was free in prison, free in his circumstances, but he was also free in purpose. Look with me in verses 15 and 16. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others do it from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel, and the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Paul knows his mission. It says his mission here is in defense of the gospel. He knows the reason that he's alive. He knows the reason why he's in prison. He knows his purpose is the defense of the gospel. He knows his mission. Not only that, he also knows his protector. The reason he has a freedom and purpose, the reason why he's so confident of his purpose, is because he knows his protector. He said the former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition. But in verse 18, he says, what then? So what? So what there's people against me? Even some of my own, some who proclaim Christ are against me. But so what? What then, he says, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Paul knows his protector. He knows the one who knows his heart. He knows the one who has power over him has more power over those who have chains upon him. In the last verse of 18, Paul knows his heart. He rejoices 
for Christ's sake. His heart is to rejoice. Are we a rejoicing people? Are we a people filled to the brim with the joy of Jesus Christ? Or do we put the lid upon it so that we're pressure cookers about to explode? What causes that kind of covering up of our joy except to not understand that God's working in all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose? God's using everything, everything for good. I read this just the other day. See if I can remember how it goes. Before Zacchaeus knew he needed Christ, the tree was planted long before to meet his need. You see, before you and I even know what we will need tomorrow, your God has already provided the solution to bring you to Him, to give you freedom in your circumstances, and to give you purpose in serving Him. Not only do we have freedom in our circumstances, freedom in our purpose, but we also have freedom in our perspective. In verse 19, Paul goes on to say this, For I know that through your prayers and help by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Paul sees his deliverance as imminent and ultimate in prayer and in spirit. You see, Paul's whole worldview was that whether he lived or he died, it was Christ. Whether things were good or whether things were bad, it was for Christ. He would say whether he's in plenty or whether he was in want, it was for Christ. Whether people were stoning him or beating him or kicking him out of a city, it was for Christ. His entire life was consumed for the glory of Jesus. How far we must go sometimes to put self-interest behind Savior interest. To live lives that are willing to be submissive. To live lives that are palms up and head down. To say, Lord, do what you will and will what you do. I'm yours. 
If you call me to go, I will go. If you call me to stay, I will stay. If you call me to limp, I will limp. If you call me to run, I will run. But in all things, God, I know I can do these things. I know that I'm more than a conqueror because, oh Lord, God, you are my deliverer. Let me continue on just a little further with verse 20. Paul says this, It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that will full courage now as in always Christ will be honored in my body, whether life or death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul's expectation is that he will live forever with Christ. That he will live in the glorious light of Jesus. That he will be immersed and deluged in the love and the glory of Christ forever. That Christ will give him every significance that he ever desired. That Christ will fill every crack and crevice of his heart with the glory of his mercy and his grace and his love. And his full expectation is the things of this life are minor trials in comparison to that. It's Paul's world view. To live is Christ and to die is Cain. It's the perspective that he holds on everything. It is the lens through which every conversation, every relationship, every future plan of Paul's goes through that prism before anything else. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Oh, the freedom. The freedom that marks us as believers to have joy. Joy in our circumstances, joy in our, our, our purpose, and joy in our perspective. Several times I've had the opportunity to be up close to the space shuttle when it would launch. You can feel the earth rumble beneath your feet. You can feel the air vibrating against and buffeting against your body. You feel your whole body tremble and shake at the power of this multi-tonned vehicle that is going up with these amazing rockets. And the first thing that strikes you in that vision is the power that is contained that can take tonnage and cast it into the air. Until it is free from the bounds of gravity.
there is a power in you and I that's much greater than the power that, that throws the shuttle into space. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that incarnates and indwells each of us as believers. And it is that power that sends us beyond the bounds of those things that confine us. That we might live for the glorious future that is ours in Christ Jesus and set aside the clay that chains us to this earth. To change our perspective, to change our purpose, to change our circumstances and our view of them. Three things that we must do. We must pray and look for how God is working in our lives. We must pray and look for how God is working in our lives. Secondly, we must believe that God is working them for His purpose. Whatever is going on in our life, we must understand God is working it for His purposes. And then thirdly, like Paul, we must have faith enough to change our worldview. From a self-worldview to a Savior worldview, to live as Christ and to die as gain. As we pursue those applications, we begin to understand, yes, yes, I too can be free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Amen. Let us pray.